Well, hey, everybody. Hey, it's so good to be with you today. This is week two in this message series, Prince of Peace. And we're talking about the peace that Jesus gives us in these times of great anxiety that we're living through. And we are mining these Christmas stories for clues about how we can embrace the peace of the Prince of Peace this season. And so we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25 today. If you want to pull that up on your Bible app, or if you have a regular Bible in front of you, I'll be using the English Standard Version, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. And let me pray. God, I thank you that you're with us now. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us, open our hearts to your word, and speak through your spirit and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I did something that I very rarely do. I sat down on the couch with my wife and two of my daughters and watched one of those cheesy, made-for-Netflix Christmas movies. Now, many of you, and probably them, will watch several of those this Christmas season, but I have probably watched one, and I'm probably done for the season. But it wasn't that painful. I agreed to watch the one that we did watch because of the actors. They were two actors that I knew from childhood, and they're middle age right now, and they were chosen to be the leads. It was a movie called A Castle for Christmas, starring Brooke Shields and Carrie Elwes. And if you don't know who Carrie Elwes is, he was the lead character, the male lead in the Princess Bride movie. He was Wesley. So this is a brand spanking new 2021 Christmas movie starring these awesome middle-aged actors. I felt like a kid again. Now, I don't want to get in trouble for giving away too much of the incredibly predictable plot to this movie, but I can tell you how it starts. Brooke Shields' character is a writer of romantic novels, and she is in big trouble with her fans because in her latest novel, she has killed off her male lead, who they have all fallen in love with throughout the series. But she killed him off in her latest novel, and you find out the reason she did that is because in her real life, in the movie, her husband had dumped her for another person. Now, I really resonated with her character. She, she's a pretty good actor still, uh, because at one point, she got teary eyes and she said, I just never expected to be alone at this point in my life. And when she said that, I felt it in my gut because I know so many people who feel that way or similar because of something in their life. There are many people who are going through stages in their life right now that they never thought they'd be in. I know many people who can say, I really never thought I would be unmarried at this point in my life. Or I really never thought that I wouldn't have children at this point in my life. Or I really never imagined that I'd be looking for a new job at this age in my life. Or I really never imagined that I'd have this little in savings at this point in my life. Or I really never imagined that I'd be estranged from my kids or grandkids at this point in my life. I remember when my dad died, my mother was 57, and there was another uh, person who came through the visitation line, and I heard my mom say, I just never imagined that I would be a widow at age 57. 
And sometimes we find ourselves in these life stages that we never imagined we'd be in way earlier than we ever imagined. And not only are we in deep grief, but other people sometimes judge us for things that are completely outside of our control. And that's the situation that our characters in this story find themselves in. This is a story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who would become the parents of John the Baptist. And it's the story of when the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah to let him know about this. And they had found themselves in a place in life that they never thought they would be. But yet, in this late stage, we see God do for them more than they ever would have dreamed. But we see also some things that they did during that difficult stage in their life, in their marriage, and we can learn some very good things from them about what we can do when life isn't what we ever expected. So let's read through this, and then we'll point out those things that we can learn from them. So beginning at verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. He had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now we learn four things about this couple in these opening verses. First, we learn that they were a priestly couple. Aaron, uh, the brother of Moses, became one, and God said through the law of Moses that any descendant of Aaron would be considered a priest or in the priesthood. And so Zechariah was a descendant of Aaron. Now, if you were a priest, it was required that you marry someone of pure Jewish heritage. And if you could find a wife who was also a descendant of Aaron, that was considered an extra good thing. And so Zechariah had found one such woman in Elizabeth. They were both descendants of Aaron. They were a priestly couple. They were also a very devout couple. It says in verse 6, And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Not only were they religious by heritage, they were inwardly religious. They were righteous in God's eyes and obedient to his will. They were also an elderly couple. It says in verse 7, Both were advanced in years. Finally, we learn that they were a childless couple. It says in verse 7, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Now, I know many, many people who have found themselves in this situation, and they never thought they'd be in it. They married, they dream of having kids, and they are unable to have biological children. And it's a deeply grieving thing that people go through. And that's where Zechariah and Elizabeth were. And not only would they have had to deal with the deep grief of never being able to have children. But back then, people who were childless were also very ostracized by the community. It was considered disgraceful. It was considered that if you couldn't have children, it was because God was angry at you. There were some very harsh rabbis of the day who used to say that there are seven types of people who are excommunicated from God. The list began, a Jew who has no wife, or a Jew who has a wife, who's unable to have children. And it was considered an acceptable reason to divorce your wife in that day. 
If Zechariah had divorced Elizabeth, that would have been acceptable in people's eyes. But this couple had stuck together. They had stayed married, been faithful to God, faithful one another, encouraging one another through this deep season of grief that they had lived through as a couple. Verse 8. It says, now, while Zechariah was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. So remember, all of the descendants of Aaron were considered priests. So around this time in history, in ancient Israel, there was 24,000 plus living priests. And that's far more than they would ever need for the ongoing daily duties of the temple. So these priests were divided into 24 divisions. And each of the divisions would serve a few times a year when their division was on duty. Now, when your division was on duty, they would select a priest each day to go and light the evening incense. And they would do that by casting lots. It was like a lottery or like uh, drawing straws. And so if your number came up, if you were chosen that day among your division of a thousand or so to go in and offer incense, you were incredibly fortunate. And so on this day, Zechariah got to go in probably the only time in his life that he'd ever been able to and light the evening incense. And look at what happens. Verse 11 says, And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah. And they were wondering at this delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. So Zechariah was already fulfilling a dream of his by getting to offer incense in the temple. And then Gabriel appears to him and he announces that he and his wife Elizabeth have been selected to be the parents of the prophet whose coming was foretold, who would be in the spirit and power of Elijah, who would prepare the people of Israel to receive the Messiah. And Zechariah is understandably overwhelmed by this news. 
not only because of the appearance of the angel, but because the message seemed too good to be true. So we shouldn't fault him for asking the question, uh, how shall I know this is going to happen? I mean, for many, many years, they had been praying for a child. And now Gabriel appears to them and tells them that after years and years, that Elizabeth is going to become supernaturally pregnant with this super baby? We would be in disbelief too. Now, prior to this year, I've always considered it that Gabriel was punishing Zechariah for not instantly believing this message. But this year, I looked at it a bit differently. I thought perhaps... This was a response to uh, his question. How shall I know this is going to be true? And so it could be that the muteness was actually a sign from God so that he would know it was going to be true. A couple of weeks ago, we saw Jesus supernaturally heal a man who was mute by casting a demon out of him. Here we see Gabriel supernaturally making Zechariah mute until the baby would be born. And then when John was born... Uh, Zechariah would be able to speak again and he would be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to prophesy a beautiful song of praise to God. And the story ends with Elizabeth pregnant. Verse 23. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months, she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. Now, this account of Zechariah and Elizabeth and Gabriel, it's a really important part of our history as Christians. And it's one of the great Christmas stories that we need to tell every year. We should be as familiar with this as we are with the lines to our favorite Christmas movie. And this year, I do think we see some really helpful advice for what people can do when life doesn't go at all as they expected. We see God doing something for uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, which is beyond anything they would have imagined. But we also see some things that they did in that interim period, between when the grief began, when they first realized that they weren't going to have children, and this time when they were advanced in years, and God makes this announcement. Some things that they did that we can all do to put ourselves in a position to be on the best track for God's future blessings in our lives. Number one, when life isn't what you expected it to be, we see that we should keep obeying. One thing we know about Zechariah and Elizabeth is that in the midst of their heartache and their shame, they stayed obedient to God. It says in verse 7, they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of God. When we get beaten down, with disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, it's easy for us to give ourselves license to sin. We start getting discouraged, so we just say, well, I might as well do this, or I'm so frustrated that I'm just going to do this. The problem is, when we do that, when we begin living in disobedience to God, we take ourselves down a path of further darkness and slavery to sin. And we become Satan's punching bag as we just let him have his way with our mind, our bodies, and our emotions. And so when we aren't where we ought to be in life, or we thought we'd be in life, excuse me, we need to really ask ourselves, 
Are we living in obedience to God? We need to remind ourselves what success really is. Success in God's eyes is not making a certain amount of money. It's not having a certain kind of career. It's not having a certain number of children or grandchildren. Success in God's eyes is measured in obedience. Yeah, the world has a very different measure of success. It's the wrong measure. In any given day, the measure of whether we had a successful day is whether we lived in obedience to God. The measure of a successful life is, was it a life lived in joyful obedience to God? You know, I'll tell you that sometimes when I get discouraged, disillusioned, down in the dumps, I'll ask myself this question. Okay, well, things are not what I thought. So what is God calling me to do right now? What does obedience look like right now? And as I ask myself that question, sometimes the Holy Spirit convicts me uh, that I've been complaining too much, that I've been uh, ungrateful for the blessings that He's given me, that I've been having a bad attitude. I mean, He kind of rebukes me for that because self-pity is never God's will for us. Often, when I pray about that, the Holy Spirit reminds me of these verses. Perhaps you know them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, where Paul the Apostle writes, Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. It says, For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I'll realize, well, I haven't been praying. And I haven't been giving thanks for what God has done and is doing and promises to do. And so when I realize that, what do I have to do? I have to repent. And I have to start obeying. Continual obedience to God prepares the pathway for future blessing. Continual disobedience takes us down the path of disaster. And so if at any point you realize that you are walking out of step with God's clear teachings in Scripture, what you need to do to keep life from getting worse is to repent and turn to God. As Peter, the apostle, said in his speech in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 20, he said, Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And if you realize today that you're not walking in obedience to God in some area of your life, I will tell you, it's never too late to start doing the right thing. Steps toward obedience lead to greater blessing in the future. So if you are experiencing life, it's not what you expected. Keep obeying God, like Zechariah and Elizabeth did. Number two, when life isn't what you expected, keep loving. Now, the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth is one of the best love stories in all of Scripture. They are probably maybe the best examples of marriage that we see in the Bible. We get a lot of instruction about how to be married and how to love one another and how to uh, stick with one another. Uh, one man, one woman for life. That's what the Bible teaches. And we should put ourselves into that. But we don't see a lot of examples of people who did it well. Zechariah and Elizabeth are a great example. And again, culturally, people would not have blamed Zechariah at that time. If he had divorced Elizabeth and 
picked up a wife who could provide him with children. But he had not. He had stayed faithful to God's vision for marriage. Together they had borne the shame of being childless in their day. They had stayed together. They kept loving one another. They showed faithfulness to God and one another, no matter what life or other people's judgments threw at them. Think of this. If Zechariah and Elizabeth hadn't kept obeying God and hadn't stayed together, they would not have become the parents of John the Baptist. We would have no idea who they were. They would just have been two more uh, lonely, divorced, discouraged people that we never would have read about. If If your life doesn't look like what you thought it would at this point, right now, stop thinking about yourself and start pouring yourself into loving those who are presently in your life. And I would remind you, Christian love is not a feeling. It's not a romantic feeling. It's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. You can't say, I just don't love him like I used to. All you're doing there is confessing sin because love is a choice in Christianity. Love is a choice to nurture a good will toward others, which results in good works toward others. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's long-suffering. And love is what we are always commanded to do. We're always commanded to choose love and do whatever it takes to pray until we get to a point of love and understanding. I love what it says in the Messages translation of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. It says, Don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. So live and obey and love and believe right there. Number three, when life isn't what you expected to be at this point, Zechariah and Elizabeth would tell us, keep praying. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. I find this verse fascinating. The angel says the reason that Elizabeth is going to bear a child is because of a prayer that Zechariah prayed, which was answered from heaven. And we don't have a lot of information about this prayer. Was it a prayer that he prayed as he was in the temple that day? A prayer of surrender to God, no matter what God chose for the rest of his life? Was it a prayer of gratitude for the wife that he had, even though she couldn't bear a child? Was it the prayer that he had for a child when they were first married? Was it a prayer that he asked God for a child right there in the temple? Was it all the prayers that he had prayed? We don't know. We just learned that this man's prayer resulted in a response from heaven that would have been unexpected in common hours. One of Satan's greatest strategies against you is to keep you from praying. To make you think that prayer is not an active thing to do. To make you think that God doesn't answer your prayers. That God doesn't hear your prayers. That God isn't interested in your prayers. To make you think that your prayers don't do anything. To make you think that you're no good at prayer, that it's for other people. Zechariah would tell you and me, He would say, listen, I know it's wild, 
But the angel told me that day that it was a result of my prayer, my prayer, that the angel came and told me that my wife would become pregnant in her old age with this super baby. He would say, guys, prayer works. So friends, if your life is nothing like you imagined at this point, keep obeying God day after day. Keep loving the people around you in your life right now. Keep praying until you hear an answer from heaven. Finally, is keep believing. Keep believing what God says about you, not what the world says about you. Keep believing that you are so loved, that Jesus died just for you. Keep believing that your worth is found in being a child of God, not in having outward measures of success. Keep believing that God can give you the power to obey him and love others. Keep believing that the path of blessing comes through the steps of obedience, not license to sin. Keep believing that our God, by his power at work within us, is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we could ask or imagine. Zechariah and Elizabeth are living Well, they're not alive now, but they're alive in heaven. But they are real examples of this for us. Let's pray. Jesus, so many things we have to be thankful for this season, remembering how you came into our world, the Prince of Peace. I pray that your peace would spread to every heart and more and more people would keep obeying, keep believing, keep loving, and keep praying this season. Lord, I pray that your peace and your promises would quell our anxiety, that we would cancel the judgments that people make against us, that we would believe your assessment of who we are, that we would know that we are loved, that God is with us. And now, Lord, we pray that prayer that unites us with all believers of all times who have followed Jesus as we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.